to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find the Raptors show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined in the studio today by my co-host, Alex Wong, but that's uh, not that special, really. You're here <laughs> half the time anyway. Special guest, though, Gary Trent Sr., backed by popular demand, one of our most... Uh, I don't know. We just got a lot of great feedback when we had you on before. So, what's up, Gary? How you doing? I'm awesome. I appreciate y'all having me up here, man. I just come to check out the games, but uh, it's beautiful to be able to uh, catch this moment, too. Yeah. Uh, I saw you You visited uh, Pi earlier this week. Was that, was that your first time at the restaurant, or have you been you, you, no, regularly there? No, I've been there a few times. I've been there a few times. Um, to be honest, man, I've been having some terrible food experiences here in Toronto. I can't oh, no. find a breakfast place that just satisfies me everywhere. Mm. I, I don't, I'm not going to call any names out in a bad way, but I've been to a few places, and I'm like, eh. Like, okay. You portions, got any recommendations? Portions is, You're a big I, breakfast I went to guy. a spot. They had said it was two eggs and something else. I scooped the whole egg serving on one scoop on the fork. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I notoriously dislike breakfast, so. Yeah, he, I mean. he doesn't, you don't believe that, you don't believe in eating eggs in the morning, right? No, 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 I, I don't believe in eating eggs outside of the morning, man. I mean, like in a protein shake or whatever, but oh, like. yeah, yeah, He doesn't no. like the all-day breakfast. Oh, situation. see, I can eat breakfast any time of the day. Yeah, see, that's, the, I can't do that. Yeah. But, you know, um, pie, though, that's, it's, uh, we got to give pie the shout out because we're, we're in the same basketball run as the guy who, who runs pie. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we yeah. play, we play hoop with them, so like, we hoop with them on Tuesdays. So yeah, honestly, I, next time if you're here in Toronto, no, they if had, I could bring you as a ringer, <laughs> no, if, so if, much. For too much, if, man. if you could come play pickup with us, <laughs> you know that that would be a, that let would me, you would make my dream come true. Funny, right? So I work out back home at Lifetime, and I'm cutting through one day, coming down the steps, and some kid runs up to me. Now he don't know that I'm playing any type of basketball. He just comes up, sees a big person. He's like, "Hey, hey, you do, dude, you? Hey, can I ask you something?" I said, "What's up?" He's like, "Hey." I don't know what you got going on tomorrow. Uh, would you like to play on my lifetime fitness team? <laughs> they had the like lifetime playoffs, and he was trying to recruit me to play on the squad. He was like, "Man, oh. we definitely could use you on the board." Like, <laughs> but he I, I, honestly, he didn't know that I played any type of basketball. I just seen a big athlete that was mm. cutting by the gym and was like, "Man, he'd be perfect for our team." <laughs> I'm just saying, Dislin, it's an open invite, all right, Gary. Yeah. I, 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 whenever I see you in Toronto, I'm gonna hit you with the text. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you that Harborfront Community Center address. <laughs> All right, Alex, you're already asking for too much, man. We're putting on time out for at least two minutes, man. You, you're asking <laughs> our guests. Ramen, the three of us. <laughs> you're really asking our guests right now to go play ball. All right, um, so your son. All right, let's start with, let's talk about Gary Trent Jr. Mm-hmm. right now, right? Um, pretty good season so far. Big shot against Miami, deep in the corner to clinch that game. And then uh, 27 points in, on Wednesday, the game that you were at. Um, yeah, what have you made of his season so far? And just... Um, some of the, the big, timely shot-making from him. He, it seems like he lacks no confidence in that front. Well, it's still early in the season, and there's a, a lot of adjustments to be made and a lot of progress to still be made with him, uh, the team. You know, every season, no matter what your role was or what you accomplished the year before, you have to come back and reestablish yourself, whether it's with the referees, mm. whether it's with your teammates, to reassure them that when they see you at practice, yep, he didn't have that last year, or he was not as good at that last year so they can see you work and they believe in you and have faith in you. And it's the same with your front office. So every year it's a, uh, you know, you can sign a five-year deal and be in the first year of it, but every year is still a proving point. Every year of that deal, every year that you're in the league, every practice, 
And uh, even if it's not a proving point, it's it's just a consistency of making people believe in what you're doing because you've done it for so long. So, you know, I don't, okay, last year you don't have a championship, right? So every other team that didn't win the championship, you have a you have something to go for. And the team that won it last year has something to fight for. So there's never a moment that you shouldn't be working or can't be working as a team, as a unit. And it's not always about working on the court. Sometimes watching a film as a team, mm. you know, to understand, hey, when I'm guarding this guy, I'm going to force him baseline. I want you to come. You know, just things like that. That's working as a team. It's not always about working together physically, playing defense as a team, talking on the floor. You know, I coach a fifth-grade team, and a lot of times if <clears throat> those opposing teams hear a shout-out, when you force some baseline, I got your help. When you force some baseline, I'm here. When that kid hears that, he already know, okay, if I go baseline, that big kid's yeah. going to be there. And I got the guy at the nail shouting that too. When he comes middle, I got him. When he comes middle, I'm going to jump to the elbow. You're just you're, you're telling the defender what you're going to do, whether you're going to do it or not. So nine times out of ten, especially at the level I coach, a kid will look once, twice, and get rid of it because he's been discouraged by what he heard them going to do. Mm. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I'm sure you watched uh, the, the first-round series pretty closely, you know, last year, mm -hmm. you know, Raptors, Sixers. What did you make of, of the Raptors' performance, and what did you make of Gary's performance in that series? Um, you know, they, they kind of got beat up. You know, Embiid is the biggest guy in the league right now, and, you know, they don't have – they have the length out there, you know, Boucher and, you know, Pascal. Those guys got some length, but they don't have the girth to bang with that guy. And, you know, Embiid's just big. Not too many teams, you know. There's only yeah, two yeah. or three teams that's got – a guy that has the length and girth to even match what he can do, you know, and he's very skilled. And, I, you know, to me, the success of Philly is going to be through him. You know, they can have James Harden and all that, but everybody has a guard that can shoot a three. Everybody has a guard that can handle. Maybe not as good as him, but everybody has what you have. Everybody don't have Embiid. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, we even saw, like, I don't even think that uh, he doesn't look 100% to me right now. Physically, just run, up, running up and down the court a lot, like half the time, he's not getting back in transition. Well, you know, you know one thing I, that I, to me, when you want to be a dominant big man, you have to be dominant. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> Joel doesn't show enough dominance for me. You show, okay. you show that you're good, and you show that you're better than average, and you have great nights, but you don't show me dominance. And what I mean by dominance, I think I looked up the other night. You're the biggest thing in the league, and you have five, six rebounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You should be leading this league in rebounds or in the top three every year. Yep. You know? Yep. I'm watching the help side. You know, you're not coming over. Like, it's not a, a, a whisper or a mumbling around the league of, like, when Mutombo played, we sat in the locker room and be like, hey, you come baseline, he coming. He, <laughs> yep. he Mutombo going pick. Like, we would tease each other, like, Mutombo, great, get you up out of there. You know what I'm yep. saying? Yep. Yeah. You're not, you're not talking like that about Joel. Like, man, you come, Joel going to come. No. You know what I'm saying? You ain't, you, there's guys that might not believe they're going to dunk on him, but there's not guys where he instilled that fear like he's that dominant big man. Mm. He dominates the paint, and he controls the game, and I'm not knocking him anyway, but I'm just saying for him to move in that upper echelon of greatness, for him to get that MVP he's been chasing, he got to dominate in other categories. And I think if he dominated the boards, and he dominated the paint, averaging – two and a half to three and a half blocks a game, Philly would be a whole different team. Yeah, this is what I always tell Will, too, because he's a little younger. So, like, I grew up watching, you know, guys like, you know, Shaq and Hakeem and, like, David Robinson, you know, all the great centers. I grew up watching them, and then 
Went out there and had to get elbowed by him. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, yeah, I got and both you know, sides Yeah, of so spectrum. you know what I'm saying. And I always try to tell him, like, you know, guys back in the day, like Shaq, like, you know, these guys were dominant on both ends of the floor, right? Like, you talk about being in the locker room, talking about it to Kembe. I'm sure when Shaq was on the calendar, like, like that was a different problem, right? Like, everybody oh, yes. had to get their six fouls ready. You ready. And, um, you know, you just, when I, that's what I mean by dominance. You know, yeah. you knew Shaq wasn't, he wasn't shooting anything outside the charge circle. Like, you know, you got centers today out here that want to shoot a three. You got guys shooting floaters. Like, when I when I first got my job with the Timberwolves, and mm. this was Carl Towns' rookie year, you know, because uh, me and a guy named Vince uh, Lagarza, you know, he's a great player development guy, and uh, we were staff for the um, Timberwolves, and we worked with Carl. And, you know, I'm watching some of the things that we're teaching today's players, like, shooting floaters on the baseline and this and that. I'm like, I can't see Sean Kemp shooting the floater. Sean Kemp is getting ready to come down his lane and snatch the screws out of his backboards. They, they didn't teach floaters. Yeah, yeah. I can't see Carl Malone coming in there shooting that little floater. No, he's coming in, and he's coming in hard, like freight yeah, train yeah. straight ahead. And I, in our era, it wasn't about a floater because if you shot a floater, you was considered soft. In our era... Seven footers that shot threes to us, that was a sign you didn't want no smoke in the paint. Mm. You soft. That's why you're shooting them jumpers because you don't want to be in here because uh, the game wasn't evolved to the level of skilled mindset like that. You know, only big men that were shooting like that in the 90s and uh, late 80s and late 90s were like Arvita Sabonis and the foreign players, you know. And um, if you notice, a lot of times, when they was putting our Olympic teams together, they never took true, true centers because a true, true center in Europe was had, like, a skill set of a three or four because they shot perimeter, yeah. Yeah. you know, things of that nature. So that's what made, like, a, a Arvita Sabonis in his prime a nightmare matchup because he could give you the back-to-the-basket dominance of a, of a five, but he could also pop out there and make a five because, you know, you put fives in pick-and-rolls due to lateral movement and a lot some slow feet. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, you know, like, w when do you think this sort of shifted, right? Because I think right now it's pretty clear, like, most bigs want to play that perimeter skill set, right? I think every, every big looks at, like, a KG, you know, uh, like I, a Dirk. I think part of know? it is um, the way the offenses are designed, you have to bring more to the table. Like, okay. if all you got is back to the basket, okay, that's cool. But if you got back to the basket and a elbow jumper, now you're something else. You know what I'm saying? Mm, if you yeah. got back to the basket and a three... Now you something else. But here's what done happened, too. A lot of these seven-footers have developed, want, come to the gym and they're developing all these jumpers and all this elbow and they want to do all the James Harden and step back lick because you're really soft at heart. So you come in here and you use the skill game as a scapegoat because you're soft. You're soft. There's a lot of soft guys in this league right now. There's a lot of soft guys on the Raptors. I mean, I watch them. I see them. It's, it's soft guys on every team. Yeah, yeah I'm not being negative. I mean, I just played in this game. I know who you soft. I can tell the way you play. I can tell the way you get pushed out of there mm. as opposed to who you push back. Are you going to push back? You know, are you, are you when when it, when it's time, nut-cutting time, what are you going to do? Are you, you know, are you willing to take a charge? Are you willing to get in somebody's face? Are you willing to, like, be a Pat Bev type of irritant but really yeah. can back it up? No, you're right. You know what I'm you're saying? Right. Like, it's it's a lot of softness in the league. Yeah, yeah, and I think you bring a different perspective, obviously, having played, yeah. you know, in a particular era, played in the NBA. And it's like, I'm sure you were watching, like, Sixers, Raptors last year, and during the playoffs, I think, you know, there was a little back and forth in game six with, with um, Embiid and Pascal. Like, things were getting physical like that. 
That's like not even like that doesn't even compare to the that's stuff just how that the game should be no, played, but that's, man. That's, that's the play, that's playoffs. Now they settle stuff on social media, right? No, no you don't settle nothing <laughs> on social media. You just keep it going. See that's that true. you settle that's it. That's wisdom. If you wanted to settle it, you would settle it because every guy on another team has somebody on the team that got your number. It's fifteen mm -hmm. guys on the roster. There's 15 guys on this roster. Guaranteed there's one guy on the Raptors roster with a number or a friend or somebody that can get to him and talk yep. to him personally to where you can uh, squash the beef, you know, by, by talking about it on the phone where it doesn't have to get to the Internet. Because the Internet back and forth is just a shouting match. Mm. You know, everybody tough. Yeah, yeah. Everybody tough. I can... I, I can hide behind a keyboard and tell Mike Tyson I'll knock him out. Bro. Yeah, this, this is gonna, what we do. Yeah. Are you going to say that? <laughs> are you going to tell Mike that at the hot boxing set? <laughs> when it's hot boxing time, you're going to be yeah. like, Mike, you're going to walk in the gym and be like, Mike, nah, you're going to shout it all over the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this is theatrics anyway. You know it's going to get broken up and whatnot because there's a tunnel. Yeah, sure. You want some smoke? There's a tunnel. Yeah. I, everybody know how to be found in the summer. Everybody know everybody's agent. Nobody uh, cannot be found. If you want to find somebody, you can't. Yeah. No, but I mean, you just don't see that nowadays. Like, I, I just, I really genuinely well, don't really think no place that. for it. I mean, there's no point, man. Yeah, also there's no place for it now. Money. Yeah, I mean, there's no place for it. Like, okay, I meet up with you, we get into it in the tunnel, then what? Even if I beat you up or you beat me up, we still didn't, I mean, there's still no place for it. Oh, yeah. it accomplished understanding, though. There's a little bit of accomplishment. Okay, but all right. <laughs> we can get some, accomplish oh, some understanding. <laughs> so now, next time you push in my back, or next time you see me out there, or yeah. next time I say something, it's some understanding. But in all actuality, there's no place. But mm -hmm. there's that underlying note that keeps the structure, though. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of times, like, every team when I played just about had somebody that was going to enforce the rules. Right, right. Somebody was going to enforce rules. And like, uh, okay, say we were playing the Knicks. And you was on my team and you was on the Knicks and y'all got into it. Yeah, yeah. I might tell, okay, hey, oh, grab your guy, man. Grab your guy. Because... Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's that, kind of like an unwritten rule type well, thing. Yeah, that's you the respect that amongst the, the guys. Like, yeah. hey, Oak, grab your guy, man, so we can keep the game going. Man, grab these guys, Oak. They mm -hmm. really ain't about to fight. You know, no, I'm no, one no. of them type of things. You know yep. what I'm saying? But then there's that time where he got to back his guy, and now it's like, okay. Yep. And this is where sometimes those out-to-dinner friendships, sometimes they test it now. Because now, like, now y'all into it, and maybe you did do something dirty to him, so he got the right to feel like that, and I got a backing, but Oak can't let us get you so he got to you know what i'm saying and yeah. now it's it's like rolling with your friend right or wrong he even though he wrong i'm still i gotta roll with him because that's who i came with that's who i'm with that's true yeah. yeah i feel like back in the day too like you mentioned a lot of stuff gets settled on the court right whereas whereas now i feel like the refs take too much control of it too like especially when i'm watching in the playoffs like anytime the physicality gets ratcheted up a little and there's a hard foul it's straight to the review and it's a flagrant foul at times. And it kind of just de-escalates any physicality for certain teams. You know, I'm the not, league is worried, though. The I'm not going worried. to, uh, I I'm not going to say the refs are taking too much control. That's what they're told to do. Sure. They're Police. told, yeah. they're there to police it to yeah. not get out of control. You're protecting the product. Right? Yeah. Let, hey, listen, let the guys play, let them do this. But if you get a little sense of, uh, that you might lose a little control, this is how you uh, pull that zip tie and tighten this up here. So we're going to go to the review. We're going to issue you a flagrant one because now you're on thin ice. Yep. We anything, anything little uh, Dennis Rodman like you out of here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, because yeah, that, yeah. th that, that's what that is. It's, it's to yeah. put you on, uh, what's it said in soccer? What is it, a yellow card? Yeah, it's a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a yellow card. You right. know, it's a yellow card. Like, hey, we watching you now. Yeah. Keep it up.
Yeah, like think about the other night. What was that foul? There's a foul on Joel Embiid. The Raptors fouled Joel Embiid, and I think he was kind of like he dove to the floor yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. That's just a regular play, and I I just didn't understand why that was something that needed to be reviewed to see if it was I a common. Th- when foul. I, I think there's too much review of every foul. Is it a flagrant? Is it a flagrant? Is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Like sometimes the guys aren't even the player is not even complaining as much as the situation is trying to be made out to be, you know. But uh, I guess it comes with the game. You want to protect the players, and I think if they keep the sensitivity of it at zero tolerance, yeah. You know, because once you start, once you start saying, okay, well, uh, on Monday we let them go hard. Wednesday we didn't. We're not gonna really review, and then on Thursday night we're gonna review extra. You got to be consistent in it throughout the league nightly to make sure it's fair for everyone. Make sure it's fair for the league. So I just think that uh, they're just trying to keep the game clean, trying to mm-hmm. keep the game fresh. I don't think it's a, a referee ego or anything. I think the refs are getting that call from New York. To, hey. You better yep. keep it keep it tight. Well, <laughs> you I mean, know what I'm saying? And, and, and they know. And one thing about being an official, man, I don't think a lot of the public knows. You earn the review after every game. You're yeah. under review after every game. Every game every and game. every call that you make is reviewed. Every call. If it's a technical, a foul, uh, or non-call. Or a call that you didn't call. Yeah. Why did you not call that? Like every call is under review. Your whole, like, you're basically walking around with a drone over you the whole time watching everything you do in a sense. So, yep. you know, I, I don't, I think it's just, um, you know, just to keep things tight, keep things in order and keep things fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, dude. Like, I don't, I don't think the league wants situations like, you know, that game against Miami, that first game, right? You, you get a random scuffle between Caleb Martin and Christian Coloco, the rookie, right? And it goes into the crowd. And I think that's when the league is real worried. They're like, you know what? No matter what, we, obviously we want to keep our best players on the court, but no matter what, you guys can't go on the stands. That's, that's the sensitivity uh, that I comes mean, into it. Well, you know, when you buy a ticket to sit there, you got if you get dove on or your beer gets spilled or you get part of a fight, you know, that's all part of the NBA experience. Oh, yeah. That's what makes it fun. <laughs> that's you know, that's a memory. I don't know. Uh, experience. Yeah, a lot of people, <laughs> depending on who you are, like yeah. you want to, like my son, Grayson, right, he yeah. always used to tell his mom he wanted to go to the game. And uh, he wanted to be courtside so Yanis could fall on him. Why? Listen, he, listen no, that's what my bro. son said. He wants Yanis to fall on him. Isn't your son like a teenager? Listen, no, no, no. He's 11 now, but he said this when he was like nine. He wants Yanis to fall on him <laughs> at the game and then dap him up and tell him, hey, keep working, little man. Like something like to that effect that I said, son, let me share something with you. I said, if Yanis fall on you, you're probably going to break something. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're, gonna, you're probably going to be injured because, you, you, yeah, you know, you're not your kid. It could be a lawsuit, but, you know. But kids, they want to be part of the game, and and uh, that's all part of Guess what you pay for? You yeah. want your feet on that hardwood. Yeah. You want to post it on your social media. You want to be seen out there. You want to look like you balling yeah, all you're that. Yeah, you all the highlights. People want to look like they balling even if the tickets was free. No, this is a culture. You get some free tickets, but you're going to post it on social media like you came out to hit. 20,000 for these tickets. No, listen, man. This is a club chasing economy. And, <laughs> and you know, we, we do it too because, you know, we're credentialed to go to the game. Yeah, yeah. And because we cover the game for, for Sportsnet, for the radio, we're sitting in the radio booth, like, up top, yeah. like in the 600s. But we only ever post photos when we're pregame courtside. 
talking to you before we came on air you know obviously you know like like will mentioned up top you were such a a fan favorite last season you know the couple times that we called you i think people really appreciate you know how candid you are and kind of the personality that you're able to show um and you told me that you took some classes at at syracuse and then like you like have you ever thought about like doing media so you'd be great man in the nba uh you know especially nowadays with the money that's being made and the resources and the relationships that they've made uh, there's not too much you can't do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get into any industry, whether it's clothing, cars, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Dame Lillard owned uh, a, a car lot. I think it's Dame Lillard Toyota back in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, in uh, Portland. You know, just you can get off in anything. And they offer these programs in the summer, uh, the Top 100 camp, where all the Top 100 players come. That's where you come and get your training to be assistant coach, head coach. Mm-hmm. You understand the responsibilities of that. Uh, they offer the NBA players executive program where you come and understand what it takes to work in the front office as a GM, assistant GM, front office person, all those things. And uh, they offer the thing at Syracuse, the broadcasting. They take you there. It's a four-day crash course. Uh, you learn color commentary, yep. uh, radio, um, you know, in-studio. You do in-studio. I made a DVD because they make your DVD to promo. Oh. So when I'm watching uh, Sports Center. I, I can tell the newbies. I can tell when they were off cue. I can see because I I trained it. So wow. now that I see, now that I have a better understanding, because a lot of times you have to work in this environment to know dude messed up on cue or he uh, his mic was off or like he didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. right it didn't answer properly or you can tell when there's tension between the uh, people even though the public thinks they're just cooling but people can tell when there's tension on the set if you've been on a set yeah so you just learn all those things and it was a beautiful experience man um. I think everybody that went there ended up with a job. Like Antonio Daniels went through there with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's from Columbus, Ohio now. I think he's with the Pelicans, you know, so. He's a TV guy, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, so I, I went through there and did that training. And um, I got to pursuing it, but it kind of got in the way of what I wanted to do with my kids. So that's mm-hmm. what kind of pumped my right. brakes. You know, I have four sons mm-hmm. and Gary being my oldest. So I wanted to make sure that I was present to be able to give my other children the same opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look at it like this, okay? Say you get one of them big-time jobs, right, as an assistant coach. Because I did assistant coaching one year for the Timberwolves. Sam Mitchell ended up being a head coach because that was the year that flipped past. Right. So when I did that season there, you know, Kevin came back. It was Carl's rookie year. And, you know, for many, many, many years, I was like, you know what? I wanted to be coaching in the NBA because I had always been coaching. And then when I got there and I was actually part of it, it was the most beautiful thing, gave me the greatest experience, and I learned so much that I was able to pass down to my elementary teams to give them an advantage because everybody's doing basic training. When I'm training these kids with pro techniques, pro footwork, pro mindset, pro sets as elementary kids. But what I notice is while I'm at the Timberwolves game coaching, we down 30, but I get a text that six minutes away, my son just dropped 46. And I'm not a part of those moments. Mm. And I can't be a part of those moments. So I get a big-time job that's going to give me 200000 a year, right? Say just, you know, coach and get two hundred. 
Yeah. Ten years is two million dollars. All right. By the time I get taxed on that and they take three hundred off the first million, three hundred on the next million, now I'm down to one point four, mm-hmm. right? So by the time I live on that, uh, pay for kids, try to pay for kids at college and do all of this extra, extra and try to take a vacation here or there. I never got to live. Mm-hmm. All I did was exist. I just exist on the planet. I got up, went to work, came home, paid bills, sleep. Got up, went to work, came home, paid bills, sleep. So I didn't get to live. I just was going to be existing. And me not taking those opportunities, it was hard at times, you know, because I know that, you know, those type of jobs, as long as you don't get any trouble, you can do them from a wheelchair 50 years, you know. But when I looked at the bigger picture of it, think about the money that my son has made now. And think about the potential of the money he's made. You know, you signed this deal for 55. You got a chance. You're only 23 years old. My son could sign two five-year deals or three because he's young enough. Yep. You know? Yep. So by the time my son has a chance at three to 500 million, he might have not had a chance at three to 500 million for me to take that $200,000 for 10 years. Yeah. Now, I was in a fortunate enough situation already being a pro to be able to do that. You know what I'm saying now? In the average world, you know, somebody put 200000 on you, you're going to be at that job. Oh, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah, at, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm at this job. Yeah. <laughs> Are you out of here right now? Uh, no, 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 I'm here. No. I'm yeah, here. You're, not, you're not talking to millionaires right now, right? So, no, so but Gary, I'm just, adjust, adjust your numbers. Yeah, please. but I'm just saying One that my opportunity, um, you know, I was fortunate enough that I didn't have to, uh, you know, turn my back on being sure. able to create an opportunity for my child because yep. I had to, you know, be here, be there, do this, do that. So it was, um, you know, and I'm just doing the same thing with my other son. So, you know, I'm, I'm parenting from across the spectrum because I got four sons. My youngest is nine. My oldest is 23. So the things that I talk to Gary about and his needs and what we're doing with his life and conversations are totally different than my fourth grade son. Yeah, that's dope. But you know what? Like, having Gary must really help with the other kids, right? Because, like, there's a 10-year gap between me and my brother. I'm basically, like, his third parent. You know what I mean? I show him the way. I'm going to tell you the, one tips. of the greatest things is from a from a inspiration standpoint. Everywhere my kids go in Minnesota, somebody talk about me. Hey, because I played on the most successful Timberwolves team. So they always mm-hmm. talk about it. Uh, everybody's proud of it. Everybody recognizes me in the community because I've been coaching kids in the community. And I worked in schools. Yeah. You know, as behavior intervention for a long time. So, like, I was at the ground level of Yo. these kids. So, a lot of kids know me not just from basketball. Mm-hmm. And um, they talk about it. They tell my sons, oh, your dad played Timberwolves. That's cool. You can go to YouTube, maybe catch two clips because they didn't have that back then. Because yeah. everything is Gary on YouTube, right? Yeah. But the biggest inspiration is, yeah, your dad did this, your dad did that. But they're old enough, smart enough. And the kids around them, and due to internet and due to society's just advancement, they can touch that inspiration. Like, they can actually come to the game. That's my brother out there playing. That's my brother that just got that steal. That's my brother that just dunked on this guy. That's my brother that just hit that buzzer beater. So as their father, they're always going to love me as dad. They're always going to love me for how I parent, what I'm doing, and how I'm guiding them. But their dream is... Yeah, to do what my dad did, but to be able to watch Jr. do it is another level of inspiration and and wind in the sail to to make them really believe because they can touch it. You can walk through this locker room and sit in this chair and be like, "This yeah. really could be me." Like, yeah. 
You know, it's like, because I used to do that with him. When we were younger, he, like me, KG, we'd be sitting there in the, the cold tub, and he'd be sitting there next to us talking, and he'd be in the locker room, Kevin McHale's kids, Sam Cassell's kids, and they just, you know, being in that environment, being able to smell that environment, walk like the athletes and believe in like the athletes and hear the conversations that they're having and seeing how they prepare, seeing what happens after they win the game, seeing mm. what they look like after they lose the game. Mm. It's just a whole level of inspiration and connectivity that you just you you can't get. You can't pay for. You you just you can't get that level of inspiration. You, it's just it's just there. And um that's the greatest thing about what his accomplishments is besides the fact that, you know, the high character things and showing them this is how you got to be. This is what you got to do. This is how you need to go about it. Because his two younger brothers believe that they want to play in the NBA. Okay. I don't have to make a lot of references to, well, Kobe, you know, I use Kobe as a reference. I'll use Steph as a reference. I'll use Yanis or any NBA player. I show a lot of Iverson video. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to use those as references because you already have your brother, your right. brother that sleeps in this house with you, the brother that then held you, your blood brother. So... That's the greatest inspiration to have that person right in there. It's kind of like what, um, you know, Beyonce and I'm doing with Ivy. Like, what better inspiration can she get? Yeah. Well, right there. Like, your dad is arguably the greatest. Your mom is, I don't know. Arguably the greatest. Yeah, yeah. or at least the richest and the most <laughs> popular. So, yeah. hey, you couldn't, they can't go wrong with the recipe. Yeah. yeah well, name, no, name your top five Jay-Z albums right now. Yeah, you know, listen. Uh, you think he's a goat? <laughs> nah, the Hold up. Is Jay-Z the goat to you? Is Jay Z the goat? Jay Z's my goat. Um, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe Kanye before you know. Kanye, you I, I don't know, man. <sighs> hold up, hold up, hold up. How you gonna have uh, some guy the goat that don't yo, even write his I'm own I'm music? I'm 29, man. I'm 20. You gotta ask Gary Trent Jr. Don't even write his own music. You gotta, you gotta, ask, you gotta ask your son who, <laughs> Listen, who's the goat. Ask him about Jay Z albums, man. You can't man. be don't the goat me. when everybody goes writing for you. Now no, I'm not no. knocking his craft no, because that's fair. you know that's what I'm saying, but. Yeah. The, when you can't, that's like somebody performing for oh. Jordan. Somebody come in uh, 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 on baseball. You know, they got that sub hitter guy. What's he called? <laughs> like a designated hitter. Yeah, like a designated yeah. hitter. Yeah. Somebody okay. will come in and shoot the free throws for yeah. me, but I'm the greatest. Nah, you got to no, do he, it yourself. But he did both. No, no Kanye talk on this show. I'm strictly man. talking Please. like 2014 Kanye, you, maybe uh, before that. No more but, Kanye talk. You, right. got, you got two Jay-Z stands. Yeah, I'm, I'm going right with Jay-Z on yeah. the GOAT. But I couldn't even put him in that argument because he don't write his own stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. Right. He's a great performer. You know, I'm not sure. knocking that. Like like Diddy, he don't write his own stuff. Listen, if I could have you write me something and I still be beyond rich and beyond famous, man, here go a pen and pad right now. <laughs> write me everything. <laughs> write me Wait, everything. I, I don't what? care. That's a, a good argument right here. Let yeah, me go out. I can perform. I'm a spin. I'm a back glide, dance, backflip, cartwheel. And get all the show money in the world, and I'm gonna let you keep writing. I'm gonna pay you your credits and everything. I, you know, I don't have a problem with it. I just can't put you in an argument when you ain't writing your own music. Well, no. Well, there we go. All right, fine. Jay Z the goat. There we go. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's easy for me, man. I, I'm not. I'm not impressed. Right? No, but honestly though, th that conversation you said, like, it's like it's super dope, right? That's like the example that every parent wants to give to their kids, right? That opportunity of like, you know, giving you know Gary the the chance to be in the locker room with you guys, right? Like. You can see it now. Even though he's really young, he carries himself like a vet. He carries himself in a very composed way when he does interviews. You know, he comes across as very stoic. And, you know, you can see that experience in sort of your son, even at a very, very early age. And that's going to set him up for a really long career. I mean, like, damn, he's going to be 23. He's probably seen what Tyler Hero just made, what, uh, you know, Jordan Poole. And, and you know, it's like, and it's the, it's the right time the for awesome it, too. The awesome thing is, like, 
you this your fifth year and you're only 23. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot Damn, of Damn, it's year 5 already, eh? Yeah, yeah. and you, but you're 23, so like it's one of those situations where your experience is way beyond your years, mm. you know, and um that's what's going to give you a long time to be able to, you know, make a lot a lot of impact in the league and play for a very long time just coming in so young, you know. Yeah. You want to take a break and then come back, talk a little Raptors with Gary? Let's do that, man. Yeah. You, you good to stick around? Yeah, I'm All right. good. All right, we're going to take that break. I'm your host, Walu, and you'll be listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge discussing the biggest stories that matter to toronto sports fans the fan morning show with alish forfar and justin cuthbert subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts welcome back to the raptor show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Blue. Continue to be joined by Alex Wong and Gary Trent Sr. Uh, what do we have? Discussion about Jay-Z as the GOAT? I, I, come on, I know that one at least, man. I, the Black Album, one of my favorite albums, you know? So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean... I'm just trying to, like, you know... Gary and I could guys. debate, you know, <laughs> Blueprint versus Reasonable Doubt. You know, we could go on, but... Uh, you know, a lot of times with the music, depending on what you've really done in your life, and where you're at in your life is how you connect to it. Yeah. You know, if you've been through, the blueprint wouldn't be a classic to you if you was living in the reasonable doubt times. If you were yeah. ever under federal pressure or ever moving around like that. Damn, that's now, real. That's, that's what you're going to connect into because you're going to know that was the authentic time. You're like, man, I was in that same situation. You're not going to connect to the clear port and the private jet. And that's why a lot of people felt like they lost touch with the music because then he started talking about things that people haven't done, people yeah. hasn't seen, so they don't understand. Like, what's the clear part? That's the part where you park your car valet and you walk on the runway, but you ain't walked on the runway. And I probably ha- would have never knew that had I didn't go to the NBA or had I wasn't doing yeah, it with I mean, the team. I would have went to the airport, you know, TSA, I'm at clear. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So oh, it takes man. it takes a lot of your own experiences to be able to connect with the music. Why do you think... Um, Everybody can fall. Everybody loves love music. Like, because yeah. everybody's been in love. Or, right. Yeah, when yeah. you listen to, like, Smokey Robinson or any yeah, type or, of... Or some know, Neil. Yeah, you yeah, like any Neil? Type yeah. Of that. yeah, any of those type of... Any love song or any R&B, right, yeah, yeah. you know, those type of things, because everybody's been in love. No matter where you've been at in life. They've been in love. They've had their heart broken. Yeah, all of you that. Know, or you you're currently in love right now. Yeah. Or your relationship right now, that song applies to your relationship. He cheated on me or... Dude, you know how that's yeah. going to go. You know, all yeah. that song. Uh, so, yeah. it, you know, a lot of times music connects to people. Uh, that's why it connects such to your soul because yeah, yeah. a lot of times it's speaking to what you've done, been a part of, seen, like, you know. That's fair. Yeah, no, as, as someone who grew up in a privileged family, you know, that's why I relate. I, I still related to Jay-Z when he started talking about, you know, going, <laughs> going to the Art Basel right. and stuff. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, he's living this different life See, now. It, wow. He went from the privilege point, and I re- went from the point of 
I remember doing it on the stove. So, <laughs> oh. I'm just trying to keep it real with you too, bro. We did turn the water into wine. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. We got to do our Friday shout outs. As always, uh, want to give a shout out to Derek Brandeo, Jennifer Rolnick, helping us behind the scenes, and also Devang, Kyle Craig, JR, DT, Grex, and Sony, Pat Flash, and all the people here at Sportsnet. Want to shout out all our guests this week. Want to shout out all our guests this week Vivek Jacob, Howard Beck, Michael Grange, Keith Pompey, Gina Mizell, and of course, Gary Trent Sr. for joining us. Gary, you being the guest, you have uh, any shout outs you want to give out? Uh, let me start out with, let me shout out my hometown, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, <laughs> okay. I got a Is lot this going to be a 15-minute nah, track here? <laughs> I got a lot of family there and a lot of friends there. And yeah, uh, I hope y'all don't let me down and y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, I got a group <laughs> of workout friends that might let me down. So I have to mm. put it out there on okay. my story oh, okay. every day for them to not let me down. Okay. So, uh, yeah, shout them out. They know who they are. Um, you know, shout out Minneapolis. I got some cats there that might let me down too, but my family's there. <laughs> My kids, the mother, everybody, their, right their family, her family. So, um, no, you know, that's uh, my extended family. You know, all of uh, all of my wife's family okay. is uh, basically my family in Minnesota. No, love that, man. Um, shouts to my uh, Tuesday pickup run. Um, working on getting Gary Trent Sr. to to join the roster soon. So Join the roster? Oh, <laughs> the, uh, the pickup run. Oh, the pickup run. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Will's like, please no, stop you know doing what? No, this. listen. There's already a guy who's like six three, who's like, you know, two at least two twenty, who's uh, who's been feasting the low post recently in that run. So, oh yeah, know, there is a Gary Trent Senior there. No, come on, man. No, That's... but if I say that, then Gary's gonna show up. Mm. This is part. Okay, he's still shaking. Yeah, okay, no, man. Let's, mean, let's just get back to talking. I might show up. So, you know what? Stuff. I might show up and commentate. If a former NBA player shows up to a pickup run and doesn't play, that's like Drake coming to a Raptors game and not performing, sitting courtside. Nah, you just Why come do you and watch. Drake to perform, there's, bro. He, listen, he's like... there's plenty of times I cut through gyms and I see people play and I just watch. Because okay. I'm a coach, I scout for talent. I look for okay. kids. For you're my not team. scouting for talent at this no, game. No, no. Don't, don't, Gary, <laughs> no, you're no, good, no. man. No. Just go to Pi. All right, <laughs> you're good. You're good. <laughs> all right, man. Let, let, let's talk a little Raptors. Let's talk a little Raptors. Okay, so. Um, Joel Embiid added to the 1.30 p.m. injury report. Apparently, he's uh, questionable with the right knee injury recovery for tonight's game. Um, obviously, that's going to change a lot in terms of how the Raptors Yeah, we play. need him to rest tonight. Go on rest, Joe. Go yeah, on right. rest, Joe, and get ready for the, the games back home. You know, just go on rest. Absolutely. You don't mm. want to see uh, triple teams on the Raptors. Because, you know, the Raptors love triple teaming people, double teaming. No, especially I, guys I, like him. I don't think they love it. No team loves it because it puts you under so much rotational pressure. Okay. You know, because when you have to, when one guy can suck two or three guys, that means there's two open. And now you're shooting at guys and running out at guys and getting pump faked and all these guys are driving and kicking in. You know, when you have the double and triple team and the more teams can drive into the interior of your defense, kick it, next guy run out, drive, kick it, and now you got that Golden State effect where the ball is hot potatoing around, that's discouraging to a defense. Mm. So it's the best defense is when you can play head up, because what it does is it keeps all defenders on the inside, which mm -hmm. means like, okay, say I'm say I'm posting up, right? Yep. But you guys are all my offense. Well, you guys are all around the three-point line because I'm Joel. So that means mm -hmm. all the Raptors defenders, there's a guy in between each one of you. So if I can play you head up and I shoot and miss, the odds of you guys getting an offensive rebound are slim to none because you have none of your guys on the inside of the ball. Yep. And long shots make long rebounds, but when a 
big shoots a jump hook or something, it's not going to go off the back no. of the rim to the three-point line. It's probably going to miss within five to seven feet within the rim. So all those guys that are on the inside positions will get that rebound because we're not running out, closing out, getting a straight line drive-by, or guys are pump fakers and we're flying and we're out of the play. Mm-hmm. When you can play head up, everybody's in the play. Yeah, Everybody's in the play, especially when you don't have perimeter guys who make you have to close the gap to help and recover. If you don't have a guy that can blow by, everybody can just sit in help position and basically force you into long jumpers. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, listen, the way Nick likes to play, like he, he likes to bring a lot of pressure on the ball. You know, he likes to force guys to drive into crowds. Well, you got to. You, you know, yeah. you 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 got to speed up the tempo. You got to make sure you wear the point guard down. That's why they took Iverson off the ball and got snow mm. because people want to pick Iverson up 90 feet. So think about it. I got to dribble down 90 feet, kick it to the wing. Then I got to come down here, come off the double screen, get the ball, and try to score. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you want 40 minutes of that today, tomorrow, and then Wednesday, then Friday? It's yeah. not going to happen. They got to take him off the ball so that they can just – conserve his energy so when he catches the ball now he can go to turbo you know because a lot of times you got to use turbo to get down the floor if you got a little pesky guard that's going to pick you up that's true. you're going to run out of turbo by time it's time for you to explode into your move because you used all your turbo to get it up use the turbo sprinting off the screen coming off the screen going to the hole you know you know how you play can you run out of turbo yeah yeah, t- yeah so you just wait till you catch the ball now you go into live action yeah no that's 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 smart that's why I mean, this season, like, you're seeing Fred, a guy like Fred, um, his efficiency has really gone up, right? But they, they've also taken him off the ball a little bit more. Some of that is also guys creating for him in the half court, but also some of that is just he's able to conserve his energy, pick his spots, and then take over when needed. Well, I was watching him the other night, man, and he's really been getting it and going. Yeah. He's been getting it and going, and he's dribbling, 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 and he's keeping his dribble alive. And, uh, you know, I, I think guys underestimate when you dribble into the paint and under the rim and you do that little circle. Yeah, Nash yeah. did it all the time. Nash, yeah. uh, Freddie's doing it when you dribble around the charge circle. You have everybody, like, looking around like they're looking down on the ground for drop change or something, and that's when somebody like Precious is cutting. Yep, yep. And, like, the other night he cut, and Freddie hit him, and, like, guys going to get out the way because you're coming in freight train, and a guy just happens to turn around, and here comes 6'10", Precious, full steam ahead, ready to launch pad. Mm. So, you know, though, that penetration, I think that's helping his efficiency and also – not uh, having the ball in his hands all the time because, you know, people want to fault like a point guard who turns who has a, oh, two turnovers a game. Well, if he's going to have the ball 90% of the time, there's probably going to be a chance that he's going to have a turnover here or there. Mm-hmm. And some of those turnovers aren't necessarily his. He's trying to feed the post and the guy don't seal, but you get that turnover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know, to me, if I look at you and uh, I make a bad pass and they go directly to you, that's one thing. But if you don't seal your man because you playing soft, and he come and take it, and I get that turnover. So you know, it's it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure as a point guard, you know, um, because you have to understand what your role is and everybody else's. Mm-hmm. And not only do I have to do what I got to do, but I got to make sure I'm telling you guys what to do. And then as a point guard like Freddie, I'm a starting point guard. Well, I got a rookie center out here in Coloco. What's his name? Christian Coloco. Yeah, Coloco. Yeah. Right. So. I got a rook. He out here breathing heavy, high energy, moving fast. <laughs> nah, I'm trying to lot, tell man. him what to do. He's <laughs> yeah, fouling, he fouling at an alarming rate. Yeah, yeah. You know but that's that's youthful energy. That's young. Yeah. He's yeah. he playing with that type of energy. So right, 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 right. imagine I got a two of them guys on the floor. I got a Malachi. I got a, still got a mold. Yeah, I got yeah, yeah. I got to get Peter Ball. I got to make sure Scotty, he in his second year. So, you know, as a point guard, man, it's a tough job. But I think he's doing, doing a great job at it. Mm. And um, bottom line is, 
What people need to understand is when a team has, oh, like the championship year, when everybody wins, everybody eats, everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. You know, once you put five people to the table that eat individually, it's not going to work. Mm. We all got on the same uniform, but we all got to be one. We can't be, you can't turn it into five games of one-on-one out here. Yeah. Like, and, and the way you solve those type of sometimes internal team issues is with defensive communication. Because if we play real defense, them three or four shots yeah. that you might need get created out of that defense. That deflection I get may lead. I got the deflection, but it lead to you a basket. Mm-hmm. I deflect it. You get the credit for the steal that's going to go on the stat sheet, and you yep. fast break for the dunk. So, you know, things like that uh, is how, you know, a lot of times inner team uh, squabbles, you just play solid D and communication, you know. It's not a guy in this league that doesn't want to shoot the ball. It's not a guy in this league that well, can't Benson. score the ball. Yeah, he might not want to shoot. <laughs> but at the same time, think about it. He's still a $150 million guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you take him out of the NBA, he's still one of the greatest players in the world. Absolutely. You know, even you know, even the last guy on the NBA roster or the last guy, whoever, you know how they do the rankings one through whatever, yeah. and whoever's 430th in the NBA, the last player in the NBA who's ranked last, yeah. I guarantee you, he's still one of the greatest players in the world. He's the 430th best player in the world. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. when you look at it from that perspective, right? Now, imagine if there was only 430 mechanics on the planet mm. and the 430th mechanic was two hours away. Why you? You know now, as a basketball player, people sit there and be like, "Ah, as a, at the bar stool, as you watching the game, yeah, he like, trash, he did it, it, it. Okay, he's terrible." Now, if that two-hour mechanic, that two-hour <laughs> drive to that last mechanic, would you drive still? Would you get your car over there, or would you say he's too trash to work on your car? Or let me take it deeper. What if I was a, um, a baby doctor? Uh huh. Yeah. And you, yeah. And you was having a baby. He was the last rank baby doctor on the planet. I'm not going over there. He's the last brink doctor. Or you going to pull up right there hoping that that doctor can do everything to help nah, you. No, you, you're scared to help. Yeah, <laughs> you're scared to hey, help. What if you, I'm the last. You sure you want me to help? I'm the last rank guy. You know what I'm saying? So people need to look in the perspective of when, you, when you're talking about a certain level of profession that only, first off, only so many people on the planet are even capable of doing. No, for sure, man. Like, yeah. Only so many people on the planet are even capable of this job. And then you got to think about it on the next perspective. Uh, probably 80% at the end of every season, 80% of those contracts are guaranteed for the next year. So you really only got room for a new 30 in the first mm-hmm. round. Yep. And maybe the first 10 of the second round, maybe? Usually. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So there's only a only a room for like a new, a few new 30 guys every year. Now, the thing is, when they add 30 new guys, that doesn't take the lead from 430 to 460. Them 30 other guys had to go. Yeah. It's not like they're adding like... They're going to add 30 every year in 10 years. We can add 300 new guys. We got 700 guys in the league now. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. 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 The, the, the turnover, pr- sure. The man. pressure's got to be crazy, too. That's why you, when you see guys who have made it in the league for a really long time, you know, like how, how long in the league do you play? I played nine. Nine years? Yeah, see, you understand? Like that's... Yeah. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know the average average NBA lifespan. When I, got like drafted, right when I got drafted, the average NBA career lasted three years. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, that I think it's still like so that. Basically, guys go overseas. You know, you have all these other options. They they end up falling out of the league, right? Yeah. It, a lot of times, man, it's not always a talent thing, though. A lot of times, it could be business. Like, um, as a ten year veteran, you have to make 
I think 1.3 of that exempt. That's the least. That's your league minimum. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, as a 10th guy, 11th guy to get 1.3 million, you're probably as a 10th guy not going to play. You know, teams are stopping at seven, eight guys rotation-wise. So we get to the playoffs, it might be six. So why would I pay you $1.5 million as an individual who probably will never play when I can go and get a guy in year five and four and pay them like five fifty, four fifty, yeah. and pay that nine hundred thousand or a million to yeah. two guys. Two young guys that got potential. That's true. Two younger guys that I could have bodies at practice as opposed to one guy. Now, if you get that type of deal, that's because you were a, a true vet mm-hmm. during your career. You played uh teams respect you in the locker room. A coach in an organization knows that you can hold some locker room stature. Uh, when teams are struggling, you can pull them together and talk. Like Haslam, in a sense. Yeah. Like, honest Haslam. You see, like, with Thad Young on the team right now, too, a little bit. Although you know Thad can saying? still play. but Yeah, but I'm just saying, when you get yeah. to the point of a team paying you money when you're not going to be impactful on the floor, it's got to be something else. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, Heisman ain't about to come out there and do nothing on the floor. Uh, I'd love to besides see it, maybe hack get into a fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but the, but the thing is, you know the coldest thing about it, they know that. Yeah, yeah his triple they double is that. two points, uh, two technicals, and uh, yeah. you know two in two minutes, two speeches. But listen, yeah. but here's the thing though. Yeah, it's almost like uh, you know having Heisman over there almost in a sense is like you know you go by somewhere like people at the bank, right? Yeah, they feel good when they see security out front. Mm. So a lot of guys on that team, they see Haslam over there. Yeah. That's a sense of security for them. Of course. Yeah, if the bench true. is clear yeah. or if something happens, they know mm. Haslam there. ain't worried about that little change, that little suspension money. You know what I'm saying? Going to yeah. be right up his alley. Back to the enforcer thing. Yeah, exactly. He wanted a, the last ones. The last of the nah, – nah, nah, there's some like uh, guys claiming to be, but I'm saying he wanted yeah. the last of the real respected, like Mohican enforcers right now, like Cats – you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's respected yeah. out there in that no, sense. He's, he's from your era, man. Yeah. Well, listen. Listen, Gary, man. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Okay. We okay. just got to get you back on the show. That's, we we, we got to get you we back call on another show. ISO. But, but for now, now it's time for Between the Lines real quick, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's yeah. a whole new game. Yeah. So the Raptors betting line is actually off because of the Joel Embiid injury. Okay. So may I recommend the Milwaukee Bucks minus six over the New York Knicks at home tonight? The Knicks are playing well, though. Well, I think the Bucks are the best team in yeah, the Yeah, you're right. They got nobody to guard. So I'm going to take them at home. <laughs> so that was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Gary Trent, Sr., appreciate you. Thanks for having As me. As always, man. Tuesday pickup run, think about it. Okay. You know what? Jay-Z, Jay-Z Art Basel era, think Sunday, about it. I'm leaving Sunday, man. I'm leaving Sunday. Okay. Oh. So you, you, just, you told me you come come here once a month. Yeah. You shouldn't have you told me what? that. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have told me that. Now, the banter's over, man. That does it for us today. I'm your host, Will Louie. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe, review, rate the show. Thanks again to my producer and co-host, Alex Wong. Thanks to Gary Trent Sr. For our producer, Derek Brandale, Jennifer Olnick for helping with the YouTube stream. We'll be back next week.